In today's episode, we've got some winners and a loser in the What Sold on eBay portion, a weekly business recap, and a terrific reselling conversation. Let's get into it. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to another episode of Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips. If this is your first time stumbling on the channel, thank you so much for coming by. My name is Ryan, and I am a full-time reseller, part-time YouTuber, and podcaster working out of my home here in the Batcave, and this channel is all about the flip life. In today's episode, like I said, we have got a really, really great reselling conversation in the second portion of this uh, episode, but we're going to kick it off with the winners and losers from last week in What Sold on eBay. So let's get the bad news out of the way first. This first item, I picked this up. This is one of those that I kind of picked up. I was at a sale and I was being given a lot of stuff at a really, really great price. And the guy offered me this lot of Lionel revolver race cars. I had never seen them before. I looked up the comps. They didn't look real good. The guy said he'd sell me the whole set for 30 bucks. I said, how about 15? He said, okay. As it turns out, $15 was too much money. <laughs> uh, I that's about where the comps were. And like I said, they, they were hooking me up. This was the, the lot where I bought all of the uh, model train magazines and catalogs and all that stuff for about five cents a piece. So all in all, in that sale, I'm more than coming out okay. But on this particular item, it was a loser. If you see these things out there, even if they're new and sealed, they're all but worthless. <laughs> uh, this was a lot of 17 cars and a launcher. And I was throwing in a vintage manufacturer's advertising one sheet with it. I started an auction at 15 bucks, hoping to just bust out of it. And that's basically what I did. I sold them for 15 bucks. So they're definitely not Hot Wheels. <laughs> uh, moving on to something a little bit more fun. Actually, this is something else that I'm probably not going to do again. I've talked about 78 RPM records a few times in the past. Here's one that I sold recently. Nice sale, 50 cents into 20 bucks free shipping. The problem is these things to ship correctly are just an enormous pain in the tuchus. <laughs> uh, I did a video on it some time back, but essentially you've got to sandwich them between bubble wrap and cardboard and then cushion that thing in a larger box because these things are just so fragile. The shellac is just very apt to break in shipping. So you really have got to go the extra mile to prepare these things for shipping. At the end of the day, I'm not sure that it's worth the time that I'm investing in going through the shipping to make these sales. So I've still got some 78s here that I hopefully will sell and they'll get the full treatment on the shipping, but I don't think I'll be buying many more of them. If you buy 78s, let me know how you feel about that. Uh, but the shipping is, it is no bueno. <laughs> uh, here's another item. This actually didn't end up being too hateful, but it didn't bring anywhere near what I thought that it would. A uh, Dale Earnhardt all pink 1956 Ford Victoria NASCAR 50th anniversary diecast car. I picked this thing up probably over a year ago. So it's been here a long, long time. 
I had it listed for $34.99. It was running for 20% off. Somebody made me an offer for even a little more off. I was tired of looking at this thing. So I took the $25 offer with customer paid shipping and got this thing out of here. I bought it for about 15 bucks. So I made a little bit of money on it. Um, but I probably, again, would not pay that kind of money for any of the NASCAR diecast cars. I've bought big lots of them before for a couple of bucks a piece. They've done okay. They're not typically big money or fast sellers, but they don't do terrible at that price. Uh, this one I thought would be something special. And as it turned out, it really wasn't. <laughs> uh, here's something, finally, a little more fun. A book, again. Uh, this is from the big lot that I own for a quarter apiece. The, uh, from 1820, I had, I think there are 12 volumes maybe total in this set. And of course, I have 11 of them. So I wasn't able to sell it as a complete set. But I did sell uh, volume two on an offer for $38.24 with free shipping. So that's a pretty good flip from a quarter. Uh, these books are in really, really nice shape. I don't know why somebody might just be wanting one particular volume out of this set because it's a very special set. I didn't see a lot in the same kind of color scheme and condition online, but there you go. Volume two is out the door for $38.24. Another book. This was also out of that big lot, so a quarter, this time into $42.99, a book on Sicily, Ancient Peoples and Places. This is an original hardcover from 1957, still had its dust jacket. Um, as we've talked about on this podcast and on this channel before, sometimes the dust jackets are not in that great a shape. The fact that they are present still brings some added value to those books. So unless the thing is literally crumbling in your hands, don't throw them away. Leave them with the book. $42.99 out of a quarter. We will take that all day long. Another one from that big lot. This is the one that sold me on making the purchase of that lot. Pretty much sight unseen. The guy sent me like four photographs of stacks of books just in a warehouse. And this one caught my eye. It was a seven-volume set, um, Great Events of the Great War, a seven-volume set from World War I. They were all in individual slipcases, leather-bound, really ornate. They weren't in perfect condition, but I could tell from the picture that it was going to be a, a pretty interesting set and should bring pretty decent money. As it turned out, this seven volume set I'm into for $1.75 and it went for $80 with free shipping. So pretty nice flip. Sometimes you'll get those offers where you'll, you're, somebody will send you a bunch of pictures on a lot. You'll see one item or two that you know you're going to be able to sell for pretty good money. This was the one that did it for me on that big lot. That lot has more than paid for itself. I spent less than $500 on that lot, and I have literally made thousands of dollars so far. And now, your flip of the week. This comes from the big CD lot. I still have a handful of these big, big scores in that lot, though they're starting to dwindle. This is an item from 1996, a Blaze, Here I Come. It's a new CD from uh, G-Way Records, sealed in a package. I had this listed for $299.99. It's been listed, obviously, for quite some time. I bought that lot back at the uh, first part of July of last year. So somebody made me an offer of $200. I own it for three and a half cents. Hence, 
your flip of the week. <laughs> uh, so really pleased with that. Again, that lot has been fantastic. Again, it was one of those things I went in, I looked at a couple of boxes and was like, this is going to be a great score. And that was before I even knew what the price was going to be. Um, and it has been literally the gift that just keeps giving. All right, with all that being said, let's take a quick look at the total business for last week. It wasn't a record-setting week, but it was another really, really good week here at the Galaxy. Starting off, as we do, with listings. It was a good week on the listings front. I didn't have really many distractions last week, and I got 165 new listings put up. So uh, we'll put that one in the win column. Sales for the week. 1904 and 88 cents. So really, really solid week. Not again, not a record, but definitely uh, probably in the top 10, I would say. Those sales broke down. Uh, Bonanza, yet once again on the scoreboard, only $21.19 this week, but it's $21 I would not have had otherwise. So uh, $35.79 from the Westchester Antique Center and $18.47.90 on eBay. So big, big week on eBay. It was really front loaded. Uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday were super, super strong last week. And then it really tailed off. I don't know what your results were like over the weekend, but it was pretty quiet here. Uh, actually this past weekend cost of goods sold last week was $41 and 95 cents, leaving me a gross profit margin of 97.8%. Just fantastic. $1,862 and 93 cents. So a big, big week. Net profit, or I'm sorry, operating expenses. We got to get those in. Uh, pretty straightforward week. Shipping and eBay fees totaling seven twenty one and thirty nine cents, leaving me with a gross profit of fifty nine point nine three percent. Just missed that sixty percent mark, which is always a lot of fun. Eleven forty one and fifty four cents. So fantastic week here at the Galaxy. Again, let us know in comments what kind of week you you had last week. Was it good? Was it bad? Was it mediocre? It's interesting as I watch other people's channels and listen to podcasts, how different sellers seem to have different results. When I'm having a great week, some of them are having a terrible week. And when I'm having a pretty mediocre week, some of them are just killing it. So I guess eBay uh, spreads the love as it were. So <laughs> uh, with that... We are going to take a really quick break for our sponsors over at the podcast, and then we will be right back with a terrific reselling conversation. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. All right, everybody, welcome to another reselling conversation. I am super excited to have with us today a guy who defines hustle. He's got a full-time reselling gig. He's got a YouTube channel. He's active on Instagram. He's a co-host of not one, but two different podcasts, uh, Hustlenomics and No Cap. Please give it up for Julian 3Gen Hustle. 
I like that. <laughs> Welcome. Kind of words, man. No, no worries, man. I, I really, I truly appreciate the hustle, man. Every time I'm on, it seems like I see you on a channel or in the chat somewhere. I mean, you're really, really active in the community. And I, I, for one, for what that's worth, really appreciate that. Yeah, man, absolutely. I try to be active a little bit. I'm not as active as I want to be, honestly. Um, you know, lately I haven't kind of disappeared a little bit. I haven't made a lot of YouTube videos and that's because I have a lot of things that I'm working on that I want to bring forth to the community. And we'll speak about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I left social media for about three or four years. So I'm recently back on social media and I struggled to even like do a YouTube channel. So, yeah. um, you know, just you saying that I'm active and, you know, it's, it's kind of kind of cool, kind of cool to be back. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. So for those of you, my viewers or listeners that might not be familiar with you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and where we could find you on the newfound social media adventures. <laughs> cool. Yep. So I'm uh, Julian, 3Gen Hustle. Um, I'm a reseller part-time from the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania. Um, I do a lot of things, not just reselling. I do a couple of other things on the side as well. I've been doing it for about four years, I would say. Um, about two and a half years in. Um, the reason I started, it was like twofold. So uh, first, I was in a depression. Uh, I had come out of the music industry. Um, you know, kind of quit cold turkey and moved out here from New York City with my family. Um, so I was looking for something to do with my time because I was always so active. I've always been this way. I've never been a TV guy. I've never been a sports guy. I've never been a, you know, go out and hang out and do nothing. I've always been very productive. Even when I was in the music industry, a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of a lot of parts of that job, I would say, um, did involve going out to clubs right, and touring right. and stuff like that. But I'm always a behind the scenes person. So anyways, I was looking for something to do. Found reselling through some YouTube videos. Um, got out I of think that. that's how a lot of us ended up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching videos, right? Yeah. I, I believe the first guy I saw, um, well, I saw a news kind of like a news story about someone. I don't remember who the guy was, but after that I found Craigslist Hunter and I kind right. of followed his footsteps. Um, and then just to fast forward, I got out of debt um, through reselling. I was able to build a, a save a down payment on a house. I uh, was able to do that. And then now my journey is I'm trying to get out of my full-time job and take on reselling and some of my other hustles uh, full-time. So I don't want to do the nine to five thing anymore. Right. right. <laughs> what is your nine to five now? I work for a Verizon. Um, okay. Right now I'm on a leave. Um, so just to see if this is, this works out. I've also been teaching the kids, um, been doing school with them. So um, you know, because of COVID and stuff like that, right. I enrolled in a program where I get the curriculum and then I teach them. Um, and then we have assessments at the end of each week where, you know, they uh, evaluate them to see if they were uh, able to pass that week's course. Nice. Um, so it's pretty interesting. I, I love learning. So, you right. know, just history and math and just anything. I've got a 13 year old and a seven year old. So the material is quite different. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> How has that gone for you? Too. Pretty tough in the beginning, just because um, uh, my kids have different learning styles. And then um, I always associated back to a book I read called um, Love Languages, how 
people receive and accept love in different ways. Um, and it's the same thing with teaching. People learn in different ways. Some people are visual learners. Some right. people have to do it. They're hands on. Some people just want to write notes. So with my kids, it was like hard to figure out what was the best way for them to consume the material. Uh, once we got that, though, it's been a lot easier. But um, yeah, it comes with its uh, headaches and its uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, hurdles. So I definitely uh, I also needed to work on my patience as well. Right, so. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good learning experience for you as well. I, I, I was right. just going to say it gives us a, a real kind of maybe newfound appreciation for our teachers <laughs> and oh, what yeah. they, you know, you got a classroom of 15, 20, heaven forbid, 30 kids and all of them not just the two you've got have all those different learning styles that someone has to adjust to kind of on the fly standing in front of that whole group. I don't, I don't envy those people at all. (laughs) Yeah, man. I could only imagine like 20 of my kids, I'd go nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So tell me a little bit about what you did um, in the music business. I, if you've followed my channel at all you you may know i owned and or managed record stores for gosh probably 15 of the last 35 years so i've kind of been on maybe a little different end of the music business than you but i'm really curious about what your what your path was through the industry man yeah my um journey was about 10 years long um i started rapping uh i was part of a three man rap group um we put out an album um we toured uh, the East Coast. Uh, we came out in a couple of magazines. Um, and what I learned at that time was um, for a lot, of, a lot of like the major radio stations, a lot of the major publications, if you don't have that record label behind you, which is really a marketing budget, everything is pay to play. You yeah. know, at that time, I was in the hip hop industry, too. So um, it really bugged me. And um, what I did is I created a magazine myself and um, I would just put on talented people that I had met on the road that I had met just in my journey. Um, and it kind of started that way. And um, I ended up liking the business side of the music industry a lot more than the artist. Sure. So a couple of things happened within the group as well. So we I, I left. I quit. I was the one booking all of our shows. I was the one getting all of our press, um, you know, hiring videographers to shoot our videos. I was putting up all the money. Um, so, you know, I felt like I was carrying the whole weight. Um, and so I, I, I quit. Um, and then I just concentrated on the magazine through the magazine. Um, it was print and digital. Um, And what I did is I started using augmented reality technology. This was, yeah, man, it was like before it's time. Um, People weren't really ready for it. They didn't understand it. Um, I don't think a lot of people still understand it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. And imagine this was um, 2013, I would say. Maybe wow, yeah. 2012. So like people really were not familiar with it. Um, and so what happened though was one of the record labels um, that I, I did an article for this artist called Jeremiah. Um, he's pretty popular in like the R&B side. Yep. Um, so his manager was there and he saw uh, the magazine, what magazine he was going to be on and how it worked. Um, and the Def Jam building, he was signed at Def Jam at the time, is a huge building. And um, upstairs is Universal Republic, 
downstairs is Universal Music, UMG, and below there is Cash Money Records, which is Little Wayne, Drake, Nicki Minaj, stuff right. like that. So it's all in one building. So this guy took me around to like all the different labels and he's like, you got to see what this kid is doing. It's amazing. We could use it in a different way. Um, and so I ended up downstairs at cash money and um, somebody that was working the little Wayne project Carter five at the time um, was working on a way to um, get people to purchase physical records as opposed to digital because they were losing, you know, 60, right. 40% to iTunes at the time. Yep. And so what we did is we created a booklet. The booklet for his album would have augmented reality on it. And then for his first video, um, we secured a couple of billboards. So New York City, L.A., London, just a couple of huge billboards and we we're going to put up a billboard that says come back on April 30th and um, download the little Wayne app and uh, point your camera at this billboard. And then his video was going to play. Um, and then we would introduce the whole booklet thing. What happened was little Wayne got into some type of beef with Birdman, which is like the head of his label. Right. And Carter five got delayed and never came out. Um, it came out recently, but I'm talking, this was back 2014, 15, when I was talking with them about this. Um, but that, it, you know, it, it was like my biggest opportunity, but then also my biggest letdown, because sure. it never came out. But it opened so many doors for me. And then I opened up a, a like a branding marketing boutique um, agency. People would come to me and I would uh, design marketing campaigns. I've done Broadway show. Like I took somebody's album, I wrote a script and we created Broadway show kind of like Hamilton. Um, his project was called when a clock strikes 12. So we did it at midnight in a Broadway theater. I just rented it out. Um, so I've done a million things in the awesome. music industry, tour management. I manage artists, producers and, um, you know, I've done, uh, concerts, so much stuff, man. Um, uh, but what happened is I lost myself in that industry. Yeah. Um, and I started becoming this greedy person, manipulative person. I, uh, prioritized the music or my success on top of my family, on top of my freedom. I did things that, you know what I'm saying? Like I should be in jail for. Um, and, um, you know, I, one day I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, this is not me. Yeah. Like I lost myself in the process and I was losing my family and um, I quit, man. I said, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. Artist I was managing um, was in jail, had just gone to jail. Um, and the people, I just looked at the people around me and everybody was just negative or in some type of trouble, gun charges, drug charges, right? you know, uh, manipulating women, just so much. Like when you're in it, you don't realize it. And yeah. Um, I was like, this is not me. And I left and I moved out here to the Poconos four years ago. I went through a deep depression because um, at that time it was like the height of my career, I would say. Sure. Um, I remember one of the last things I did was a concert at Giant Stadium, man. Um, it was like 65,000 people um, backstage with Drake and Nicki Minaj and, you know, because I was doing the cash money thing. Um and then the following month, I'm in a regular cubicle, like right. um, a regular <laughs> person. That was such a huge shot to the ego, man. I was so depressed. And um, what I would do is I would come home and lay down and watch TV and sit on the couch and watch videos. And that's how I stumbled across the reselling thing. And I was like, I kind of picked. So I almost like sold my way out of a depression. Sure. Almost. Yeah. So what 
going back to that time and the things that you learned and the things that you developed in that, how have they influenced what you're doing now? Maybe not so much in the reselling area, but some of the other things that you're planning on doing. So the, my YouTube journey started maybe three, three and a half months ago. Um, I decided to kind of, um, do the YouTube thing. I saw a lot of people, um, you know, posting videos and, and I was kind of introduced to the community cause I did watch some of the bigger names like, um, uh, Pete Craigslist Hunter and, um, I don't know who else can I think of Cincinnati picker, right. I guess some of those bigger names, but I didn't know there was like a whole community, um, of resellers. Um, and it's so a really, really deep rabbit, rabbit hole. <laughs> I mean, there are yeah, hundreds man. of channels, like different, um, yes, different niches too. So like, um, I used to watch a lot of videos to learn, um, about products cause I didn't have a lot of knowledge when I started and I wanted to learn about other things and, you know, what, what, what better way to learn than from someone else who's already doing it. Um, so then when I discovered that it was like a huge community, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time like just watching lives and watching videos where I would stop listing and you know what I'm saying? Kind of just be consumed by right. like-minded people. And I was just so happy cause you know, I have this, the job I work at is six figures. So it's like, it's not a regular, you know, job. It's like a really good job. Um, and so I would tell people like, Hey, I'm doing this part time. And they'd be like, like, what exactly are you doing? Like you're selling people's trash. Like, right. <laughs> they, like why you don't have to do that. Like you have a good job. Like right. what's wrong with you? You know? So it's, um, it's been hard, even like with family and friends, like trying to explain, you know how it is trying to explain to somebody what you do. It's hard and they don't care. And it's intricate. Like even to explain, there's a lot of intricacies and, um, I think that's what I, what I love about it so much. It's a lot of people look at it as go to the store, pick something, go to the thrift store, pick something up, come home, take pictures, put it on eBay and say it like, no, there's, you know what I'm saying? Like there's profit margins. Like I have minimum profit margins that I need to have. Um, I'm, I was also, or I am a part-timer, so I'm a little more picky with um, what I pick, I guess, right. or I, I used to be. Um, so like we were speaking a little bit about Hot Wheels before we started this, but before I wouldn't sell Hot Wheels because there wasn't enough profit margins in it for me. I always looked at it like three or four dollar items. Like I don't have the time to sit down and list this. I need to list something that's much higher value because my time is limited. Right. Um, and my thing, too, was like a lot of the videos I watched um, were were kind of um, created or they were targeting people who didn't have a lot of money to start with or little to no capital. I had the opposite problem. I had money to play with and no one was making videos about um, purchasing more expensive items. Even now, some of the YouTubers I watch that have been doing it for a while, um, they don't like spending a little bit more and to each their own. I'm not criticizing anyone's right. like uh, system on how they do it. But um, it, it just, for me, it wasn't um, lucrative enough, I guess. Um, now that I'm kind of pulled away from it a little bit, uh, and I'll get back to your question in a second. I'm so sorry I went on. on no, you're good. <laughs> but um, now, I, like, so now I learned how the little sales stimulate the larger sales. So, um, like, my model now is completely different. I just started this model very least recently, maybe three or four weeks ago. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but the way I'm using some of the skills that I acquired. So um, it's twofold. It's a twofold answer. 
within the reselling, um, for example, pictures, I take a lot of it. I put a lot of attention into my pictures um, because I come from that. I come from managing artists and, you know, putting a video out or putting a photo out was so important. Like it has to look at a certain level. It can't just be some something that was taken like on a phone, um, even though now with modern technology, you can make a picture on a phone look really cool. But there was just a certain quality that you wanted people to see. And I translate that into the reselling because, um, you know, I'm really into consumer psychology. So if you have a picture um, kind of like on a floor or with a bunch right, of things right. in the background or on a dirty table, like just brings the value of your item down, especially when you're selling higher priced items. Another thing is like eBay, um, you know, when they... Uh, Google, when you search for an item on Google and e- and eBay feeds the results to Google, um, they prefer things with a white background. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't realize that you're kind of missing out on sales or missing out on visibility. I would say not sales. You could get more visibility by just having a white background because eBay prefers to send those to Google. Um, and, and you don't have to, you know, some people are very successful without it, but just like little things like that, um, excite me and I'm, I'm into stuff like that. So that's one part of it. Um, and then keywords, you know, like when I was uh, working with maybe like up and coming artists, so there were certain keywords and we would use the internet and social media and a lot to our advantage. So like I'm into that whole portion of it. And then the other side, right now I'm developing a magazine. So I made a magazine in the music industry um, for a while, like for the past two to three months that I've been in the community, I struggled finding a way um, to fit in. I was like, what can I contribute? Um, I, at first I started doing like what sold videos and kind of like everything everybody else was doing. And then I got bored of that because everybody else was doing it. And I'm like, yeah. okay, this is not different. I've always been like that. I always go against the grain all the projects I did in the music industry were like, you know, uh, against the current and they just worked for me. So I started looking for somewhere where I could fit in uh, a goal. Uh, I'm sorry, a gap or a hole in, in, in the community. And I said, Hey, I already have experience with a magazine. I have a relationship with the printer still. Cause I used to print so many magazines. Um, I do web design. I do graphic design. I do video editing. I don't need to hire a team anymore. I don't need an office space. I have a 1200 foot basement. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I have everything I need. Um, and I got a camera. I mean, like, let's do it. Let's just do a reselling magazine. And that's how I'm using that kind of tying in social media. Uh, again, I'm just recently back on social media. So things have changed rapidly in the social media game. And yeah. Me and my wife are kind of private people. So um, I don't go in as much as I, as other people do, or maybe as I should. But um, I think with the magazine, I can like, like pull myself out of it, go behind the scenes again and still have something to present and um, add to the community. Um, so that's kind of like how I, I'm using my skills to um, apply them to the reselling community. Awesome. As well. what, can you tell us a little bit about the, what your plans are or what your, at least your thoughts are for the magazine? What, what kind of things would you cover and how would you promote it? All that sort of stuff. How, how far along yeah. in the process, I guess, are you? So we've got, um, 
a couple of articles or a couple of people that agreed to do articles. I want to make it video heavy because right now video is king. Um, but I want it to be like quality um, video content pieces, almost like documentary pieces. So, for example, uh, Prisoner Prophet, I was talking to him. Um, so I'd go down there, drive down there, fly down there, whatever it may be. Um, and I do like a day in the life Um he does a lot of video content, so I want to bring in like maybe a different side of it, um, kind of like him waking up in the morning, what his routine is, um, and then go a little bit into a sit down interview. Um, but it'll be like a nice 10 to 15 minute video piece because he'll be like the cover um, and then have other small articles like that. And I do want to go out to people and film these pieces. So I'm flying to um, California in March, maybe end of March, beginning of April, um, to shoot some pieces because I'm from the East Coast, so I could get around the East Coast really quick, quickly. And but on the West Coast, I'll be missing out on some people. And there's people out there that oh, yeah. you know have value to add. So I'm I'm gonna go out there for a little while. Um, but yeah, I'm just gonna apply everything I learned, all the skills I learned with the magazine. Um, there's some ad um, revenue that could be made as well. So it could be lucrative as well. Right. Um, there's a lot of companies out there. Like if you think about Rolo, Dymo. Oh, yeah. Um, List Perfectly, even eBay itself. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and then I'll also include not just eBay resellers, but Amazon or anybody that's hustling in general, anybody that could add to the um, value and that you can learn from. Um, and then the digital side will have, uh, maybe like extra content. So people have an incentive to look at the digital side as well as the print side in this day and age. I don't know how print will do. Um, when I was doing it, print was dying. Um, and so we relied a little bit more heavily on the digital side, but I think a lot of those, um, retro things like tangible things like, um, you know, I mean, records. I was just going to say, all you got to do is look at records, (laughs) right? And then within our community, there's never been anything like this. So imagine just holding your an article that you're on on a physical, tangible magazine that you could give to your friends and family. Like it's, I think it'll bring a lot of excitement to the community as well. So, um, you know, I've been working on that, man. Yeah. Would that would it be something you would do monthly, quarterly? What do you have an idea of a kind of a what kind of cycle you would be on? I want to do it monthly realistically, I don't think I could. Um, so I'll probably start quarterly and then see where it goes from there. Is it something you're, you intend to do primarily by yourself or do you have other people that will do writing and whatnot for you? Eventually. Yeah. I do want to bring on a team. I've been speaking to a couple of people. So Lewis, um, the guy that I do hustle nomics with, um, the podcast and he's on no cap as well. Um, he's interested. Um, I spoken to the guys from no cap as well. You know, Topher does graphic design. So, um, he's, and, and the thing is like a lot of us are really busy, so I can't rely too heavily on them. And then just from experience, like the reason I learned how to video edit and graphic design and web design myself is because I used to have a staff and a lot of times like you can't rely on them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they're not dependable. Um, and sometimes I needed things by a certain date because it has to go to print by a certain date. So I could get it into the newsstands by a certain date. Like I got to get it out to my distributor. So if that didn't happen, I I had to do it myself. Um, And so I taught myself through YouTube as well. I call it YouTube university. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
Um, and um, I just learned I wasn't that great in the beginning. Little by little, I started getting okay. Now I'm I'm all right. I'm not the best out there, but I can defend myself. I can make something look pretty decent. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm bringing on some people, um, but it's very casual. It's I know no one can really commit to it, and I can't expect that either. So, yeah. Um, I'm just going into it with the mentality that I'm going to probably have to do a lot of the work myself just so I'm not disappointed, you know, at the end of the month or, you know, whenever the deadline, if I have to do everything myself, I'm prepared to do that. Right. And so what I've done in preparation for that is I've hired staff. So, um, I just hired, um, two employees that do pictures and listing. I hired a VA that just does listing. My son, who's 13, he started um, working with me as well. So he's been just doing pictures only. I haven't taught him how to list or anything like that. Um, he was doing it in the summer and I was teaching him how to resell. But now with school, he's a little busy and I want him to primarily focus on that sure. right now. Um, and then my wife recently came on board as I call her a runner. So um, I've been doing a lot of retail arbitrage and um, I'll send her to stores. I'll make a list like, listen, I need these things. So she's been excited. I've been f trying to find a way to get her involved for a while. Um, and in the beginning, she was a little bit excited. But then I think I just kind of bogarted it like because I was so excited <laughs> about reselling. So she's like, forget it. I'm not doing it. And then I she loves shopping. So you right. know, just send her to the stores and her looking for the items. I think I finally found a way to get her involved. So, you know, it's like a team of five of us now that are kind of working on this. And this is my third week. And I, that's what I was saying before. I kind of changed my, um, my business model. Um, so now I'm doing very minimal the eBay work. I got into Amazon about three weeks ago as well. I bought um, my first pallet. So I'm going to do pallets. And then we're also working on, um, launching our own product now uh, me and my wife so we designed something we're talking with different manufacturers here and in china trying to get the best price um it's not private labels just something that we made ourselves and i'm um, trying to expand that into like a home kitchen kind of line um so that's See, i was right like when i said like hustle <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the beginning yeah. you are into everything <laughs> this is just reselling because outside of that, I do a bunch of stuff too. Like I've had a client for a, uh, I design mobile apps. Um, so I do the design portion and then I outsource the coding, but then I oversee the entire project. So I've done a couple of apps. Like I was doing the Wayne app when we were doing that. Um, right. If you're familiar with uh, Joe Biden, he has a uh -huh. huge podcast in the hip hop industry. I was doing an app for his podcast and his, cause now he has a podcast network. He has three shows under him. So I was doing that and he has a cartoon series as well. So I was doing that for him, but I have a couple of clients like that. Um, and I have a couple of outside things that are related more like m music industry or branding marketing related that I do, um, which I needed to clear time because eBay was consuming a lot of my time. Yeah. And so now that I've got employees like, Oh man, like it's wonderful. Cause now I could, I'm making money. Like, yeah, I got to pay them, but, it's not much. It ends up being about a dollar per listing. When you break it down, it costs about 50 cents for the pictures to be done and 50 cents for the listing to be done. So that's a dollar, um, you know, and if you're looking for higher profitable items, you know, even a $10 profit, $30 profit, whatever it is to add in an extra dollar. Sometimes we accept an offer that's $5 less or $10 less than what we listed things for anyway. So, right. Um, 
it's the time that I needed. It was, yeah. that's what I needed was, and, and I was able to achieve that. So that's awesome. For us. Where, where did you find two outside helpers? So I, um, I've been attending a church, um, when I went through all that situation earlier last year, maybe January, February, um, I started attending a church and, um, I've been helping them with their streaming because when COVID hit, like they didn't really have a streaming solution. Um, so I've been helping them do that. A lot of their video content, their social media, they had a presence previously and then it kind of died down. So I picked that up for them. I don't get paid or anything. I just do it, you know, cause I like it and to help them out a little bit. Um, so within the church, I put it out like, Hey, I'm looking to hire someone part-time. It's going to be about 10 to 20 hours a week. I'm paying 10 to $12 an hour if anyone's interested. So I got a father and a son. Um, they're both interested and they came and they've been, you know, three weeks strong and they've been doing really well. So I'm happy. Awesome. I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but have you gone through all of the getting the federal employee identification number and workers comp and all that kind of stuff? Or is this kind of just a side, you know, cash under the table kind of thing for now to see how it goes? Assuming the tax man's not watching right now. (laughs) (laughs) So um, right now it's, I'm just doing cash, but I do have to learn more on the tax side, on the business side. I do have an EIN for years because I had the other businesses in the city. Um, But I have to learn a little more on that side. Um, And actually the father that's helping me, he knows a lot about that. So last week he was kind of helping me on that. He was explaining to me how, um, it could also be a write-off, right. and um, I, I, I don't know too much about that. So, if anyone's watching and can give me some advice, or if you know anything about that, um, you know, I, I need to learn about that. And yeah. it's uh, the business is scaling at a rapid pace for me, and you know, I gotta, I gotta uh, have all my ducks in a row. Right. I think that's one of the things where, just generally speaking, the reselling community really could use some help is in kind of the the business and branding side of things. So kind of the two things you're really working on right now, we're really good at sourcing and flipping. And some are pretty good at the YouTube or the podcast, but by and large, running businesses is not something, you see some of the comments and some of the stuff people are talking about and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> what is going on? So that definitely is an area. If somebody could do like a show, I don't know if anybody would watch it actually, but if there was a resource out there like that, I think it would be incredibly valuable. Um, yeah. Is that something that you would consider in part of your new venture with the magazine, a, a section on, you know, best practices for things other than the actual reselling piece of it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. And, um, that's the idea of the magazine kind of covering everything that engulfs the reselling. Um, what would you call it? Um, the reselling, anything that involves reselling. Um, and that's around it. So that's part of it. Um, you know, I think at this point, um, there's tons of content that shows people how to get started in reselling. Yes. Um, so I don't want to focus too much on that. For example, my magazine, when I had it, I knew I couldn't compete with the source 
or Vibe, Vibe or yeah. some of these huge publications. So what I did is I broke it down into what do they really do? So what they do is they feature the hottest artist that's out right now, right? The hottest fashion that's out right now. And so what I did is I um, focused my magazine on trying to discover the next person to blow, right? And these magazines always have a very small section, like a page or two right. that's dedicated to those artists, but it's like very small write-ups and it's in the back of the magazine. So the front of my magazine would have the artist who I think is going to be next to blow. And then in the back, I had a slogan that says, you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. The name of my magazine was called future magazine. So in the back, it says, you don't know where you're going until you know where you've been. And so I would highlight an old school rapper. So like, um, I would have, you know, um, someone like Jeremiah who was just coming out on a cover. And then on the back, I'd have like a DMX or someone who's a little KRS-One or, you know what I'm saying? Like right. someone who has been there, but then they're not getting the magazine coverage. They're not getting the press. And so I was able to compete in that space because my content was completely different. Absolutely. Um and so now I look at the reselling YouTube community kind of like that. There's so much what's sold. There's so much how to get started. There's so much of that content, but there's nothing kind of like what you're saying. Like, all right, now when you're getting ready to move up to the next step, that content is hard to find. The people who make that content don't get a lot of views, so they don't right. end up uploading a lot of content or they end up quitting. So I want to kind of focus on that area like it's for the reselling community for the person who's been reselling already um and then also kind of like the personal side because we always talk about business we always talk but then we don't really get to know the person like you know i watch your show i don't know a lot about your personal life you know some people might not want to put that out there but if i could do something fun like how you set up for your shows or maybe go back to one of your old stores or right. you know what i'm saying something that's a little people can grab on to a little more entertainment kind of yeah um so that's how i'm approaching it that's awesome that's well i wish you great success with that i'll definitely be looking forward to seeing how that project goes how, how did you get hooked up with um like Lewis and you know the guys that you're doing the podcasts with how did, did you find them kind of through YouTube and just join in with their already existing communities or how did you, you know, kind of inject yourself into the YouTube ecosystem so um the first time I made so I, I had made a video actually I want to say about five or six months ago which was trash it was trash. Our, um, all our first amazing. videos are trash. <laughs> Don't feel bad. They're all bad. Oh, man, it was so bad. I, I did it off of a, a GoPro. Um, I, have, I had a GoPro just for when, whenever we went on vacations and stuff like that. So I did it off of a GoPro. Um, I, I'm pretty decent with the editing, but just, I don't know. It was it was my first shot at it. Um, and so when I did that, that's when I started getting um, suggestions you know, YouTube does the suggested whatever. So that's where I discovered the YouTube community. And then I started watching other, I'm like, Oh, people do this too. People do videos about reselling and, and, and there's a lot of them and they all yeah. do different things. So I started getting into the chats um, and I was so shy at first. I would just be a lurker. Like I'd never chat. I'm just watching on the lives and w watching on the videos. 
So I took down that video and I said, no, 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 I could do better than that. And I started observing other people. And I've always been that way. Like whenever I get into something, I'm 110%. So I'm like, oh no, I could do, I could do something better and I could do something better than this person and this person. Right. I want to get to that level. That person's doing it really good. And I like the way. So I kind of started developing in my head how I wanted to make my videos. Um, and so I, I attempted it again. I made a video and then I would go on lives and then people would share their links like, you know, like, a, you know, oh, if you're a creator and I wouldn't, even though I had a video, I was so <laughs> nervous. I'm like, I've never been in front of the camera. I've always been a behind right. the scenes person. I remember um, one time um, we were doing a concert and um, actually we were performing at an award show. We were receiving the award of the night, right? the artist I used to manage and our hype, uh, our, the person who did our hype man, he was a DJ and a hype man. Um, he got arrested, um, that day. And so we had no one to do it. And so my artist is like, bro, you have to do it. Right. Like, Like I have no one else who knows the lyrics, you know, all the lyrics you have to come up. And it was so funny. Cause I'm like, can I do it from behind the curtain? Like I'll just give me the microphone. Like I'll do it. I went out on the stage and I felt awkward, stiff. Like I looked over to uh, one of my other friends and he's like laughing. He couldn't like hold his laughter because I just didn't fit. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, nah, I I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to stay behind the scenes. I've been behind the scenes for a long time. Just let me, let me be. So I had gotten so used to doing that, to being behind the scenes that now when I created a YouTube video, I was shy to tell people like, all right, you know, I have a YouTube video, but it was Lewis, um, Cali reseller Lewis, who I I think I said hello or good morning or something like that, or good evening. And he was like, Hey, that's a new name. I haven't seen it before. And he just started asking quite like, who are you? Are you a reseller? And then I kind of started like loosening up to the community and then other people started to say, oh, hey, welcome to the community. And it was just such a friendly welcome. Um, so then the next week, I think, I think it was like Joey Bada Bing. Mm-hmm. He had like a live listing on Mondays. And I was like, hey, I made a video. And then they're like, oh, go check them out. So um, I made like two or three videos. And um, one of the videos I made where uh, I had to ship this huge like four and a half foot um, model battleship. Um, and so what I did is I destroyed my couch and I built a crate for it and I put that out on YouTube and that kind of got me a little bit of popularity. People were like, Oh, did you watch that video? Just a few people. I don't have a lot of views, maybe 60 views, a hundred views. I don't know. Right. Um, but one of the people that watched it was, um, um, Derek fundamentals side hustling. And he reached out to me like, Hey, I want to interview you. And I was like, interview me like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just like a little guy on, on YouTube. Um, and then when, when he interviewed me, we just vibed really well. We, even after the interview was over, we talked for like an hour, hour and a half. We exchanged phone numbers and we kind of built this, uh, friendship, I guess. And then, um, one of the persons that was watching it was Lewis, um, Sir Flips a lot, yeah. which he now goes by Lewis Moore. I think he he dropped to Sir Flips a lot. Right. I saw um, that. I didn't see an explanation for it, but I saw that he did that within the last couple of days. Yeah, I think it's more like a branding thing, you know, Um, because he's into a lot of things. He's trying to do books and he's doing a lot of things. So it might be a branding thing. I haven't had a conversation with him about it, but I'm just knowing him a little bit. I I would guess that's what it's for. Um, 
But yeah, so he was there. He was watching the video and he's like, hey, man, do you want to do an interview with me? And so I'm like, okay, cool. So then a lot of people started reaching out for interviews and I kind of vibed with Lewis. I vibed with um, Derek and then Hyphy. I would always see in the comments and a lot of people used to confuse us, I guess, because we were like hip hop and newer to the community. And so I was like, hey, you're pretty cool. And I don't know, we all got together and just kind of made it happen. And we're going on our third episode now, but it's kind of it's kind of cool man i love it a lot yeah those guys are awesome no it's a fun show i really i was on uh in the chat last week and it's a really entertaining Derek was on one man (laughs) spicy yeah spicy very (laughs) spicy so you had made a comment some i don't even remember where it was within the last couple of weeks which kind of prompted me reaching out to you that you were feeling a little bit disillusioned with some of the YouTube community. So that we've talked about kind of the good side of it and the way people were very open, very helpful, reached out, you know, made you feel welcome. What's, what's the other side of it? What have you seen that's kind of been the downside for you? You mentioned you haven't done a video in a while. What are, what are some of the negatives that you've come across? So a couple of things happened within like a week span um, to me. So, you know, like I said, I'm pretty new to the, you know, three months into the YouTube community in the beginning. um, Everyone was so welcoming and I was new. And um, what I started noticing is as I started growing um, and I I started kind of sharing things that I was doing, um, I felt like people became threatened. So like before it was like, Every time I come in a chat, it's hi, what's up? It was excitement. And then it was like little um, sly comments like you're doing too much. Um, You're going to fail. You know what I'm saying? Like I would never do that if I was you or you just started three months ago. And it's like, okay, just because I started YouTube three months ago doesn't mean I've been reselling for three months or that I haven't done certain things before. Uh, You're moving too fast or... um, when I told people I was hiring, you know, um, help, they're like, why don't you use your own hands to do it? Or, you know, why don't you just do it yourself? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not working hard. Um, you know, just like these little kind of, and, and a big part of the reason why I left the music industry is because it's a doggy dog industry. I don't think people from the outside have any idea really, not to be whatever, how vile and evil the music industry can be. I mean, it is a dirty, dirty business. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, I've experienced a lot of times where I've helped people, you know, gone out of my way and helped people. And, you know, I was a little naive as well before. Cause, um, you know, coming from the place I come from, like loyalty means a lot. Your yeah. word means a lot. It's really all you have sometimes. And so when um, people kind of do you dirty and, you know, you helped them and financially and emotionally and, you know, put your time into them. And then they just like leave you because someone has a better opportunity or, you know, I'm like scarred from some of the things that happened to me. You know, I've helped clothing labels launch, which, you know, are now national brands. Um, And then when I plugged them in with my printer or, Um, my guy who does garments, like then they cut me off and then, you know, they start doing business and I should have done paperwork. I should have been, you know, but I didn't go to school for this. It was just, 
I was a workhorse, you know what I'm saying? And I was, um, I wouldn't say I'm smarter than other people. Success has always come easy to me, you know, and I've always been able to succeed at anything I do. And that's just because I have this, like, I don't care about TV. I don't really care about anything else. When I get into something, man, I'm up, you know, 20 hours a day, you know, working at it, learning at it. And I just have that to anything I apply myself to. And so, I think that's why I find success usually. Um, but I didn't have any type of school or, you know, business uh, training or anything like that, or anyone who would advise me about any of those things. Um, and I ended up like really getting played <laughs> a lot yeah. of times by artists or business people, um, which it is what it is. It's a learning experience, which I take forward with me now. You know, I don't have regrets. Um, it, it sucks that it's that way. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I, when I started seeing a little bit of it in the reselling community, right. I shut down yeah. and I said, Oh no, no, no. I've been through this before. I've seen the jealousy. I've seen like how evil that gets. And then for me, like I find a lot of happiness in reselling. Um, like I said, something that took me out of a depression. So like my mind associates reselling to something really good and really happy and, um, something that I got my family involved and it's completely opposite to the evil, excuse me, to the evil and darkness that I had in the music right. industry. And so once something reminds me a little bit of those dark times, I shut down and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm not making any more videos. I'm not going to be friendly with anybody anymore, you know? And then I start taking a list like, okay, like, all right, this person said this, this person said this. And so now my focus shifts and I'm like, I'm not doing this because it makes me happy. I'm now doing this because I have pride and I need to prove a point and I need to be more successful than this person. Right. He said I was moving to fat too fast. So now I got to be super successful and show that on social media and on YouTube so I can, cr-. you know, it right. starts becoming this snowball of emotions and then it's no longer a happy thing. Now you're doing it out of anger, out of spite, out of and and so I was like, you know what? Forget it. I'm not even gonna let that consume me right now. I've lived, I've learned, and I'm just gonna disappear. I'm not gonna make any more videos. You know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna share information. So this week though, um, I kind of got over it and I was like, you know what, man? Anything you do, anywhere you go, people are gonna yeah. talk. People, you know what I'm saying? It is well, what it is. And especially like what you said earlier, the ones that feel threatened. Because they look at you and they see that growth and that hustle. So they're, you know, kind of using that reverse psychology BS, you know, you should do that yourself, you know, because that's the way they're doing it. And they're stuck at whatever level they're at. And they already see that you're going to pass them. (laughs) So, of course, they're trying to drag you down with them. Um, It would be hard not to be bitter and angry, but hopefully you can channel that into a positive direction and keep keep churning it out. Yeah, man, I was, um, I was laying in bed the other night and, um, this was the night before the podcast that I did with Lewis. And I was like, you know what? I changed my perspective and I said, you know what? Those things that were said probably came from a place of love. Like someone tried doing what I did and failed. And so in a, maybe they, want to prevent me from failing like no don't do that because you're gonna fail it's maybe because they failed or they experienced someone else that failed at it so they're just trying to prevent and then when I when you reject the love it just becomes this like clash you know between two people and so I kind of just let everything go and I said you know what maybe it's coming from a place of love and maybe I'm rejecting it and you know it 
I just changed my perspective. And then I said, I'm not going to care that much. Right. I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. And if you like it, great. If you don't, it is what it is, man. <laughs> right. And that's, that's very much Derek's philosophy as well. He doesn't seem to really get too bothered if somebody doesn't like his videos or they're, you know, they're not paying attention <laughs> to him. He's, I'm just out here doing my thing. You can like it or you can not like it that, you know, yeah. It is what it is, and that is just an awesome place to be. I have mad respect for that guy because a lot of people can't do that. Yeah, you know, you get oh yeah one I can't <laughs> one thumbs down, one unsubscribe, and your whole day is ruined. And I mean, that's a really tough mental place to be. Um, so mad props to him and anybody else that can just let that kind of wash off their back. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I relate that to the reason I left social media. You know, there was one of them was like embarrassment, you know, for like when I left the music industry, people were like, how, you know, how could you leave? Like, you're crazy. It's funny. Like, I've been told that repeatedly. So like when I started music, they were like, you're crazy. You're never going to get anywhere. You're not going to make any yeah. money. Then when I try to do the magazine, like print is dying. What's wrong with you? Why would you do a print magazine? You're crazy. And then I gained success and then when i was leaving it they're like you're crazy why are right, you leaving right. it it's like the same people who told me <laughs> you're crazy for doing it like you're crazy for leaving it yeah and then you know i moved out here and then i started reselling they're like what that's stupid why would you do that yeah. you have a great job like you know and now that i'm like okay i'm looking to leave my job my co-worker is like what you're crazy you know yeah. like so i've heard that repeatedly but what happened with social media was um it did affect me and it does affect me and different ways. So number one, like when I see someone who I grew up with and um, they're doing better than me or they have better things than me, like that really affects me. And I know that, and I know it's wrong. And like, I guess that's like the first step, like recognizing yeah. that it's a problem. And so um, I like before I would do things that weren't so good or, you know what I'm saying? Like I risk my freedom, risk my life, risk my family to try to attain things, to try to keep up with certain people or try to keep an image up and stuff like that. And so realizing that I cold Turkey just quit social media as well. I said, no, that affects me. So I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I heard a rapper say, um, you know, a lot of people find, you, you know, they, they were uh, playing on words. So like the way you get a buzz from alcohol or a drug, we're also addicted to the buzz in our pocket. Oh yeah. Your phone goes buzz, buzz, you know what I'm saying? And people are addicted to that. And there's studies about how, you know, it stimulates the mind and it uh, releases dopamine just like a drug would. Um, and so, you know, I, I got off of it. And then once I was a little more strong mentally, after I'd gone through all of this, I came back on social media. Now it doesn't affect me as much. Um, but there's still like certain things, like what I was telling you when people said those little things and it just like triggers something sure. in me, reminds me of something. I, I'm, I'm like quick to like, oh, beast mode again. Like, let me be a savage out here again. Right. Let me, you know what I'm saying? And I don't want to be that person anymore. So, um, but now I'm just learning to kind of deal with it. I said, you know what, this is going to happen for the rest of my life. I'm going to deal with this, whether I'm reselling or I'm doing whatever, or I'm at a corporate job, you know, it's the same thing in corporate America. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I need to learn to deal with it myself as opposed to like blaming others outside. Let me just learn how to cope with it, deal with it, not let it affect me and move forward. Right. And it doesn't really matter whether you're, like an abject failure or middle of the road or you're on top and you're the king. 
there's always going to be someone with something to say, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. and that's, that is probably one thing that I found. I, I stepped out a lot of the social media kind of reselling communities, the Facebook groups and that, because it's, it's all about people telling other people how they think they should be doing things. If that makes sense. Right. And it was just driving me insane because everybody's path is different. There are so many ways in reselling to, to make money, to define your own version of success. You know, you're, you want to experience a lot of growth and have employees. That's the last thing I want after 30 years in retail. I don't, I don't want anybody working for me. I don't want to have that mess on my plate, but I don't, I'm not here to tell you, uh, you're crazy for hiring people. We're on different paths. And you see a lot of that in social media where people just don't appreciate that there are as many different paths as are different people. And it really, it got to the point where it was so frustrating that I just, I left <laughs> all those groups. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, what, the, in, in closing, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. So, um, what, what kind of are your goals for the rest of this year? You've got obviously a ton of stuff on your plate right now. When, if we sat down this time next year, where would you kind of envision things being, for yourself so this year is all about brand building for me um so i want to build a podcast brand i want to build a magazine brand and i want to build that brand that me and my wife are working on for house and kitchen items we have a name we have a logo and everything already just not ready to kind of put it out there yet um as we're in the middle of manufacturing but um um build a brand man build a company um Talk a little bit about you. You mentioned in one of your messages to me when we were kind of setting this up that the the branding piece was something that was really important for you that you thought a lot of people missed. Talk to me about branding and why you think it's so important and what somebody who's just a reseller on eBay, what advantages they could get by learning branding. Yeah, man. Branding, I think, um, changes um throughout time it's a, it's a it evolves right so if you apply branding to the reselling community um and and you're one of the few people that i feel like understands this um like it there's so many things that go into it for example your background right so i love your background and we were talking about backgrounds earlier but you know what i'm saying the presentation the quality the sound quality the um graphics that you put out um the pictures i see you do a lot of messages with words on them but everything has it's like uniform it has a brand it identifies you it sets you apart you have this brand and you understand branding um in a different way that other people might now branding because it's evolved so much like there a lot of it happens within social media and then sometimes not having a brand or being having low quality might even be your brand. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like some people can master that as well. So there's so many things that encompass it and um, so many tentacles that it has. But if you're able to um, kind of bring everything together and build something that someone can recognize um, as you, like if, if you put, um, 
10 posts, right? 10 pictures of 10 different posts randomly without anybody's names. And someone can single out like, oh, that's Ryan's post right there. I can tell, I can identify that because that's his brand. You know what I'm saying? Like then you've mastered branding. Um, It's uh, recognizability when someone can recognize you, whether it's your face, right? Your facial features or whatever you put out there. I used to tell artists all the time, like if someone makes a silhouette of your face and your body, can someone recognize it? You know what I'm saying? Like that's how you'll stand out. If a silhouette of you just looks like any other person, like in artistry and music, like you're not really standing out. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, so many things that encompass it but you like the michael jordan jump man logo yeah and that was instantly recognizable from the first time you saw it you knew exactly who that was and here we are 90 years later when he's not that old but (laughs) that is still an iconic example of that right in music it's even a sound you know what i'm saying like um a lot of people use the travis scott um kind of ad lib in in their videos and it's like so recognizable that it's Travis Scott because he's built that brand. But um, even the fonts you use, the colors you use, um, having that consistency, like Topher, Hyphy Gold, he has the blue, the yellow, which is kind of a play on the Golden State Warriors right. because that's his favorite. But he's also on the West Coast. So, like, he comes from a graphic design background, so he understands. But if you look at all of his um, posts, all of his um, thumbnails on his YouTube, um, it, everything is so in line with his brand. You do that a lot. And so that's what I want to build. I want to build brands where people can recognize it. The magazine will stand on its own. The podcast will stand on its own, but it all will come together. And then eventually the um, home and kitchen line will also be another brand that's recognized. And it'll all be under like this one umbrella, but, each one of those will be its own brand. Sure. You know, people can recognize it. So I'm, I'm trying to build that this year. Um, I'm, I think I just have a passion for anything, marketing and branding. And I struggled with like going back to the music. Um, I always find myself gravitating back to it or running into people crossing paths with people that are in the music. And it's just something I, I really, refuse to go back to so i'm just finding ways to incorporate all of that into the reselling community so hopefully i can do that quit my job and just live off of right side hustles or make my side hustle my main hustle so yeah i i think that's the goal for a lot of people and like i just said everybody has a different path to that um yeah. It sounds like you are well on your way to finding several paths to that for you and your family. So I wish you uh, the greatest success. Is there anything you would like to say in closing to the people who might be watching this today? Just whatever general life advice or whatever, whatever you would want to say to somebody as a parting piece of wisdom. (laughs) Yeah. A couple of things I want to say. Number one, um, if anyone's interest, interested, including yourself, in being a part of the magazine or have some type of input or anything like that, um, reach out to me, um, 3Gen Hustle on Instagram, 3Gen Hustle at Gmail if you want to send me an email, 3Gen Hustle on the YouTube as well. Um, but if anybody's interested, um, e- even if it's a small contribution, um, I do compensate as well for time because, you know, nothing is free. 
Um, and I don't want you to feel like, you know, you're just contributing for free to something. So I'm very um, adamant in that portion of it. Um, and then if it's a little more serious where you feel like, um, you know, you or anyone watching has some experience, has something to add, or you feel passionate about it, I'm opening, I'm open to partnerships or doing business somehow. So, you know, if anyone out there is interested, um, I want to put that out there. The second thing is, um, I guess, life advice, three things that I learned or that I took with me from everything I've been through. Um, and this is words that I live my life by now. Um, do what makes you happy, live your own truth and judge no one. Um, so out of everything I've been through, man, um, you know, those are the three things that I would pass on to my kids. And if that helps anyone do what makes you happy. Don't judge no one and live your own truth. So, I, I would think if we could live by that, uh, the world would be a much, much better place. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I really Absolutely. appreciate you taking some time out in the middle of the week to, uh, to do this. Um, Really, uh, and again, appreciate everything you've done so far in the community and absolutely looking forward to what you bring in the future. I will have links to all of his various uh, social media and websites in the show notes and the uh, video description below. Please be sure to go and check him out. And with that, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one, man. You too. Thanks, man. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.